Welcome to Kingdom Minded Podcast with Ray Munoz. Welcome to Kingdom Minded Podcast. I am your host, Ray Munoz. Hello, everybody. It is good to be back. I took a few weeks off, kind of revamping some things. Uh, well, I don't want to say revamping if I'm re I'm redoing something that we previously did, um, but definitely kind of wanted to seek some direction. Um, I felt I don't know if I want to say stagnant. That's not the word. I I just don't know. I just was in a funk. Um, but we're out of it. Um, and so. Uh, we're starting back up today the um, My Story series, so I hope you guys are excited about that. I know I am. Um, I love hearing people's testimonies. I love hearing their stories and where God has brought them from, so definitely um, excited about this and um, excited to see what's going to happen through these uh, testimonies um, shared by uh, some great people, some great in- individuals. Um, so let's, before we go into the episode, let's kind of just recap and see how, how things have been going over here. Um, it's been pretty chaotic, I guess I would say, um, at least for us, um, we're still, uh, doing children's church online. Um, we're still not running buses at the moment. Um, still keeping in contact with, you know, bus people and, you know, meeting their needs and you know, all sorts of stuff like that. So that's still going strong. Um, it's definitely weighing on us because, you know, we just want to get back into the groove of things. Um, you know, missing, missing children, missing, you know, there's been some nights that I don't know about you guys, but for me, there's been some nights where it's just like, it hits you and you're like, Oh, I I miss them so much and got to go to prayer for it and got to just, you know, weep it out before the Lord and stuff like that. So, um, definitely has been a trial um that we've been going through so if you guys could pray for us um as i keep praying for you guys um but it's it's you know getting getting there where it's it's kind of heavy but we're pushing through it and trying to get um through it as as much as possible but we're still doing online service um the the team has been phenomenal uh with the content that we're you know we're coming up with and um just pushing the level of excellence every time we get in front of that camera um, and trying to make it as apostolic as possible. That is our number one goal when we're creating online content is we want to make it as apostolic as possible. So we want to make sure that there are moments of improvisation, letting the spirit lead us. Um, And then definitely during our altar times, we leave the space for the altar calls to go as long as we can get get let them go without a child being, you know, distracted, but also seeking the Holy Ghost, and then, um, so the team has been doing a fantastic job with that. So shout out to all of HC Kids who has been working um, day and night, uh, weekends, weekdays, uh, you name it. We're we're probably at the church more than we've ever been at the church. Um, you know, still do pushing our Thursday night lessons, live lessons, and those have definitely been. Uh, evolving into more um i guess a better quality that we're trying to give everybody so a lot of stuff that we're purchasing for our ministry a lot of stuff that we're adapting 
to the current you know stuff that's going on um california over here we're, we're still moving along we're opened up for a bit and um indoor services right now are requested that we don't do them so we're having church outside right now uh we purchased tents at our church and so we're having church outside which is pretty great um and things are moving uh church is still growing bible studies are still happening souls are being won and baptisms are happening and you know we're we're pushing along so this isn't slowing us down one bit it's just different and we're man maneuvering around it um i got a victory report for you guys um so i have an aunt who uh was diagnosed with covid um and so we were a little worried there um but just praying that god was gonna deliver her and taking her name up in prayer and you know going before god about it and you know just trying to stay strong there um she thank god she was out of the she got out of the hospital um but while she was in there for almost a month she was praying um every day uh which you know this has been a prayer for my family that you know we see our our family members saved and this was one of my aunts who we're very close to uh we were praying for her salvation that god would you know save her and that she would you know come to church um and so she's been praying so that was just a prayer answered you know on its own um but she she was released um thank god for that um she's doing well she's recovering so you know staying at home and she's just slowly recovering um but we give god thanks for that and it was pretty awesome the uh, yesterday um well on a saturday um my mom called me in the middle of the morning i was um we were heading out to go do some um, uh, wedding stuff um, that we needed to take care of. Um, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, and so we, I got a call from my mom, and she's like, hey, what are you doing? She's like, I'm like, oh, I'm just grabbing coffee. Uh, going to go head out and do this. And she's like, well, I, I need to talk to you really quick. I was like, hey, what's going on? They're thinking something happened. And she goes, I'm just about to cry right now. And I was like, well, what's going on? You know, like, tell me. And um, she said, your your aunt called me or your Thea. That's what we call her. She said, your Thea called me and she wants to know if we have a Bible that she can have. And I said, really? And she goes, yeah, she goes, she's been praying a lot. And she she says she wants a Bible so she can start reading it and learning about God. And I said, wow, that's awesome. She's like, so can you go grab her a Bible? I said, of course I can. So we went down to the um, Christian bookstore. And we went and um, grabbed her a Bible there and got her named engraved in it and all that stuff made it special. Um, and then I went and dropped it off at her house later on that day, put it at the doorstep and I knocked on her door and I said, hey, I'm here. Just uh, left it at your doorstep. Come grab it if you want. Um, and she's like, she comes out and we didn't even tell her we bought her one. We just said, yeah, we'll get you one. Um, so she opened up. She loved it. Um, and I said, Bible study on Monday, right? And she goes, yeah, yeah. So. We're starting a Bible study. Uh, as you guys are hearing, this will be the day that we started a Bible study. So I'm excited to say that I am going to be starting a Bible study with my aunt. Um, and I'm praying that this is going to lead into a family Bible study for the rest of my family. Um, so I'm really excited about what God's going to do through this. And, you know, I guess I'm saying this to say, you know, it may seem like at times that people are getting sick around you all the time. Um, don't let that discourage you, but let that be something that you can use to to win them to god and um i just thank god that you know this 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 sickness scared my aunt enough to get to think about what she's doing with her life um and fear is not the best tactic 
to use, but I think God has definitely been pushing her, but this is really the kick that she needed. And so we're starting a Bible study. We're going to start from the beginning and just understanding who God is. And then we're, this is going to be a long haul Bible study. This isn't going to be a shotgun one. Um, and then, you know, we'll throw acts two thirty eight as much as we can at her, but you know, I want her to get a full understanding of who God is. And so I'm just excited guys. I, I'm excited that my aunt is excited, you know, interested in learning about God and, uh, so keep her in her prayers if you can. She has a fiance who's also in the hospital right now. So if you can help uh, us pray with him, he's he's on a ventilator at the moment. So we're just praying that God is continually to move on him. He's he's improving and they're giving him trial medication, seeing if that works. And it worked on my aunt. So let's just, you know, if you can help us pray, we'd, we really appreciate it. His name is David um, and her name is Susan. Um, and so we're just believing that God is going to get the glory out of this. And I'm believing that they're going to be baptized in Jesus name once this is all through. Um, so things have just been busy, 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 uh, you know, trying to, trying to get married. (laughs) Um, we're getting married in October. And so we're working, working towards that, uh, trying to organize what we're going to do here, uh, as far as a ceremony, as far as reception, um, it's not looking too promising as far as big wedding that we wanted. Um, but we're okay with either one that we decide to do. Um, just making decisions on what is going to happen. Um, because last thing we want to do is spend money on stuff that we don't, we can't use. So, um, help us pray for that, I guess. This is just a big prayer request, but I know you guys, I know you guys are up for it. So thank you again, but, um, I've missed you guys. I've missed, uh, being able to share, what's going on with with my life and um maybe it might sound a little redundant um or repetitive um but um you know just this is what we're facing it's still the same stuff and we're still pushing forward uh so maybe you might be in the same boat maybe you may not um i have some friends that are that are starting up bus routes and starting up um children's ministry and i think that's awesome and i'm praying that we get to that place where we can uh, but just trusting uh, pastor's guidance and trusting uh, what, you know, the man of God has for us. And, you know, we got a new man of God. <laughs> I guess not a new one, but we've had him. But um, so we uh, just transferred over. Uh, my pastor, uh, Pastor B.J. Wilmoth, has stepped up to uh, step, not step down. He stepped up to the role of bishop and his son, uh, brother, Bra- um, Pastor Brandon Wilmoth, is now our pastor. So we're excited about it. Um, we're excited to see what God is ha- going to have in store. Uh, I met with him a couple of days ago and we just discussed children's ministry. And so he's excited for what God has have, you know, has some plan for us. And, you know, um, if pastor, if you're listening to this, uh, we're excited. I'm excited for, uh, your leadership and your vision. Uh, so congratulations. And, you know, we got Bishop now. And so that means, uh, more coffee dates with Bishop because he's, uh, taking on different different things at the church. <laughs> so just all around excited for everything going on, guys. Um, I'm getting married, so I'm excited about it. Um, it's stressful. It's it's exciting. Um, you know, uh, got to hang out with my groomsmen for the first time together, all together. We, we talk all the time. Um, but got to hang out and talk and, you know, just talk about the wedding. And they're excited. I'm excited. Family's excited. Uh, can't can't really complain there's not really anything for me to complain about folks 
I'm blessed and I'm just excited for it. So if you're excited with us, thank you. Um, we're just, we're just excited to see what God's going to do with this next phase in our lives and, uh, become a kingdom couple, an official kingdom couple. Um, so that's it. That's all I got. I'm not going to blabble blabber anymore. Um, so, uh, without further ado, folks, I got a great guest with me today. Um, all of these guests that are going to be coming up are going to be fantastic. So, uh, I'm excited for what God's going to do. So here we go. All right, everybody. So I am here today with a good friend named Shelby. Shelby, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Shelby. I am um, 28 years old. My home is here at GBFPC. Um, I have a little girl who is eight years old. I am a medical assistant, and I work in pediatrics. That's just that's just a little there. <laughs> Where where is GBF BC? Just in case uh, someone doesn't quite know where that's Baker. at. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Bakersfield, California, Greater ba Bakersfield. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, probably a couple hours away from us over here in, in Southern California. Um, are you guys? Right. I think you guys are considered Southern California. Would you? I think so. Or is it Central? Southern. Okay, okay. So it's southern. Uh, to us, it feels like central, <laughs> but it's just <laughs> it's a drive away. Um, so thank you for joining us and uh, coming on here today. Um, we've been really excited about having you with us um, and sharing your story with us. But uh, let's let's talk about Bakersfield. Like, what are you doing out in in Bakersfield? Um, <laughs> right now, a whole lot of nothing other, <laughs> other than working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> on a we're, on a pre on, let's say on a pre COVID day, where are where are you normally hanging out at? Typically the church. There's not a ton to do here in Bakersfield. I mean, the biggest thing to do is eat. Really, there's mm -hmm. not a ton of entertainment. Um, so I mean, I you're either you're either busy in the kingdom or you're bored at home <laughs> or you're trying to travel over to the coast for some cooler weather. <laughs> Uh, don't you guys have a, uh, was it Dwarves? We do. We yeah. have Dwarves here in town. Yep. Yeah. If anybody is ever going yeah, to. Yeah, we have a specific. It's ice cream, right? Ice cream and candy. Right. Yeah. So if you guys Local, ever. Yep. Yeah. If you guys ever go up to Bakersfield, that's a great place to go. That's the only place I can think. Boomers and Dwarves. They're the only two places I could ever think of. Yeah. <laughs> and the owners are great people at Dwarves. They're, they're fantastic people. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a long time since I've been there. Um, but the memories that I do have, it was very good. Um, so that's awesome. So you, you were involved in um, children's ministry, obviously, at your church. I am. Uh, what, do you, what is it you do? I, I mean, is there a role? Is there just a I do everything, whatever is needed kind of thing? Or I am the kindergarten Sunday school teacher. Mm -hmm. um, of course, at times we're combined for like summer programs and whatnot. We combine. And then you just kind of float around with whatever God lays on your heart. That's, that's who you're teaching that day mm -hmm. <laughs> when it comes to ages and whatnot. Um, I've done, I've been helping Bible quizzing before. Um, I can't travel too much because I work a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so as much as it was a good time and I enjoyed it, it didn't stick. Um, and for a long time, when I first came into the church, I just kind of floated around wherever I was needed. That's what I did, um, whether it be cleaning up or, you know, being here to 
support somebody in something that they were doing, um, outreach. I was, I've been in, involved in outreach. Um, I work some Saturdays, so it depends on how that goes, but I really, really locked into Sunday school. It was like one day it just, I was watching them set up for a Holy Ghost Sunday and I had been actively used a few times in Sunday school. My sister was a Sunday school teacher. And so mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time listening to her lessons and going with her to the church to prepare. And I honestly just didn't have the confidence in myself to mm -hmm. think that I was capable of being a Sunday school teacher. Um, and then they were setting up for a Holy Ghost Sunday and I was sitting on the pew watching. And it's just like as clear as day as I could hear God tell me, what are you doing? you're missing out because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And it, it was, it was then it was in that moment that it, Oh, I gripped my heart. And, and I've, I asked that next service, I said, do you need any help in Sunday school? I'm willing, I'm willing to come up and help. And the sister looked at me and said, actually kindergarten needs a teacher. Wow. <laughs> so I hopped right in. That's awesome. Kindergarten is such a yeah. fun age too. I, I really, Oh, it's <laughs> I enjoy teaching that class because they're like right at that age where they're starting to learn different things. Um, yeah. But it's a fun age to work with. Um, they're so creative and uh, aside so from. Creative, so sweet. I said so sweet. They're still so moldable. Yeah. And so forgiving. <laughs> it's like anything the teacher messes up on, it's okay because she's funny anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the only thing, I think my, my biggest gripe about that age is that they're still learning to get out of the tantrums. So that's that's my only gripe on kindergarten. Right. <laughs> you know. Well, I've been told I'm quite motherly, so I feel like it's definitely my place. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> um, so let's get into this. Let's get into your story. Um, nope. Let's start off with, like, your your. how did you get into church? Were you, were you raised okay. in church or... Good question. So my great grandparents, um, they still are living in here at the church. They, um, my grandma came into the church when she was about 13 years old and my papa, he was about 23 when he came into the church. Mm -hmm. Um, so a good portion of their life, they're in their seventies now, uh, late seventies, early, early eighties, maybe. Wow. And a portion of their life they've spent living for God. Um, now their kids, their kids were raised in church. Neither one of them um, are still in church. They mm -hmm. both backslid, and my mom was raised um, not in a study home at all. Uh -huh. um, she came to the church. She attended the the church school because of my grandparents and a portion of her life. My grandparents took care of her, so she was she had her moments. I guess that you can say she attended church, wasn't really a part of church. So when it dropped down to myself and my sister, we had grandparents that were here, that were faithful, that are saints and pillars of the church, but we were really just Sunday school kids. Mm. We, we got thrown on the bus every Sunday to give my mom a break. Um, and so from the age of, I mean, I came to Sunday school in kindergarten. Of course, I don't remember I don't remember coming to Sunday school until I was about second grade. And then I can remember Sunday school up through my seventh grade year. Um, 
I had an amazing, amazing bus driver by the name of um, Brother Casey. Mm-hmm. And he was he was faithful. He picked us up every Sunday. It didn't matter where we moved. He followed us, whether it was his route or not. Um, and he made connections with myself and my sister that that have lasted still. You know, he was the bus driver that that showed up at the door and and was excited to see us. He would take us out after um, at times and created more of a connection with us um, than I think some have. Uh, so that that was really the beginning. I was in, I want to say I was eight years old um, in a Sunday school room. I can't tell you what happened that day, what was talked about, what the lesson was, but I was filled with the Holy Ghost when I was eight years old wow. in the Sunday school room. Um, and I remember Brother Casey coming up the stairs looking for me because I wasn't on the bus yet. And him just standing there sobbing as he watched God fill me with the Holy Ghost. And I got to get back on the bus and go home and tell my mom, Mm -hmm. I got the Holy Ghost today. I didn't fully understand. It took me a very long time to understand, really, Uh many, many things. Um, But I was excited about it. And and I knew that it was what I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, I was baptized a few weeks later after Bible studies. And then... I continued to come to Sunday school on the Sunday school bus up until my seventh grade year. And then, of course, I was a rebellious teenager who made friends and wanted to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really, really difficult time. Um, that age that age group and my home life was, was very chaotic at that time. So I feel like I, I was looking for an escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Brother Casey came to the door. He didn't stop. He would pull up. He would honk the horn. And if the door didn't open, the helper would hop off and knock on the door. And I would tell my mom, tell them we're not coming. Tell them we're not coming. She'd open the door and let them know. They're not coming today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And eventually we moved and, and we didn't have that contact. And so he stopped coming. Um, and then life went on from there. <laughs> uh, can I ask a question really quick? So. When you got to that age where you stopped wanting to go, what what do you Uh think it was that was, I don't want to say encouraged because that's not the word. Um, But what was the, what was going on in your mind that like, what shifted that said, you know, I'm going to stop going. I don't want to go to church right now. Like, what do you think that was? One thing I'll say is that I made um, I made new friends in junior high, and they weren't bad friends by any means. Uh, she was a very good girl. She did not influence me in a negative way. Um, and like I said, my home life had gotten so chaotic. I spent a lot of time outside of my home, a lot of time. Um, not only that, but I didn't talk to people about what was happening, even my closest friends. I would want to go to their house. I don't want you to come to my house. I don't want you to see what it's like because it's very a very different world than what they were living in. Mm-hmm. And it was the same in church. You know, I had I had very few. I've always just kept a couple close friends. I'm I'm to myself. I don't I don't need a crowd around me. Um, but I felt very disconnected. I yeah. felt like if anyone knew, if anyone knew what I'm going through and what my home life is really like. I would be even more of an outcast than I already am. 
mm-hmm. because I'm already not a church kid. I'm a bus kid, which is something that I do not like to use. I don't like to separate. Now that I'm a Sunday school teacher, I know I know that feeling. I don't want to separate my bus kids from my, my church kids. You're my kids. You're my mm-hmm. babies. Yeah. And, and that's that. I don't want there to be. I know there's a difference. Um, but you feel that. You do feel that feeling like you're on the outside and and understanding that life is just very different for mm-hmm. you than it is for them. And they're not going to be able to understand. Of course, at that young age, you don't have it all put together in your mind like that. Mm-hmm. It just hurts. Um, so I think I just felt more accepted. I felt more accepted even though I didn't go into detail, even with my friends outside of Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Um they had a little bit, to me, they had a little bit more of an open mind and were a little bit more accepting, if I can say it that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I just, yeah, I was just wondering, because that's, that's, I just think it's interesting at what point, you know, what are, I guess in a way, is almost asking to hear, so we can see the signs of somebody right. in that direction. Um, you know, there's always, there's always signs being shown by our teenagers or kids. Um, especially they don't just stop coming. That's just nothing that just happens. There's always something that comes along with it. And so I just think, you know, that's really interesting. And thank you for sharing that with us because it's, it's something that like, I want to look out for as, as somebody who runs a a bus route, you know, like, what am I watching for? What am I keeping track of? What can I do? to be to do better to make sure that that teenager or that young kid wants to keep coming and they feel that love enough to stay you know yeah it's Uh, all it's the connection it's all about the connections that are made mm -hmm. you know whether whether we live two separate lives or not whether i can completely understand what you're going through or you understand what i'm going through Mm -hmm. it's just that openness of hey you matter and I, I know you're in a different place, but it, it does matter to me. Yeah. Um, feeling, feeling that, that, um, that connection and just being accepted, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. That's really good. Um, so you're obviously just out and about being a teenager, kind of doing what you want. Um, where are we going from here as far as your story here? So, um, I'll say, I lived in a home, first off, my, my, I came from a broken home. Um, my parents split up when I was six years old. My sister was two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's the beginning. There came many years later, my dad left. Um, he left and he went off to another state and we didn't see him for many years. I want to say five to six years. He ended up showing back up out of the blue, um, and started to kind of have something to do with us. Not, not really as a father, more as he didn't really have anything, didn't have anywhere to go. Um, that weighed on my mom really heavy. And at that point, my mom tried to work things out between the two of them, um, without the knowledge of, of knowing that my dad was dealing with a lot of, um, drug use, alcohol use, Mm -hmm. Um, 
so this this is the point where where it got kind of chaotic um like i said around seventh grade i want to say i was about 11 years old Mm -hmm. um my mom felt very very bitter towards my dad in the years that she felt like she was taking care of us on her own Mm -hmm. um so when he did come back into the picture she she went off on on a little bit of a free-for-all um she started drinking herself and and this was the beginning of a very very different time for us um so it was it was that age being that age already being confused not understanding who you are or who you want to be it's it's just a conflicting age anyhow Mm -hmm. and then stepping into a role where my mom started casually drinking, just going out, you know, your dad had all his time and all of his fun. It's my turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were left at home with a dad. We didn't really know <laughs> very uncomfortable. And at times she would be gone for days and days and days because it went from being just, just a casual to a daily, a nightly and going out with friends and staying, you know, and, sneaking in in the middle of the night to gather belongings so that we wouldn't know that she had been there and, and back at it again. So I felt like I stepped into the role of 100% a mother to my sister who's four years younger than me. Um, I went from being an 11 year old kid to, to a mom making sure she's bathed and, and fed and ready for school and, we'd be lucky if we woke up in the morning and she made it back home safe. And you know, that's a 11 years old already living with your uncertainties. And then knowing my mom is out there somewhere driving around and who knows if she's going to make it back in the morning, wow. you know? And, um, so that kind of, I went through, I went through my time of understanding this is a new life for us. And, it's a little scary. It's uncertain. And I'm going to do all that I can to be the best that I can be for my sister at this point. Survival mode. Mm-hmm. Total survival mode. Um, and then I got to the point to where I I was upset. I was upset with her choices. And it made me act out. It made me more rebellious. Even though I hated in the in the first few years, I hated what was being done and the hurts and the pains that were being caused. Um, but I did, I ended up making my own decisions of, well, if you're going to go out and do what you want to do, I'm supposed to be the kid here and I'm the one in the adult role. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go out and I'll, I'm going to hang out with my friends. And if I choose to do what you're doing, then it won't really matter, which it did end up that way, which I see a lot. Unfortunately, um, I hear it all the time that, if you, if you want to choose to drink, we'll just do it at home where, where you're protected. I hear this a lot from teenagers and I know because I lived, I lived that life. Um, and it's, it's sad. It's very sad now to be on the, on the other side of things. Um, but so that's a little bit of that. And so at this point, you're just like, 
you're just fed up with it. It sounds like, you know, I'm fed up with, with everything that's going on in my life. And I just, you know, like you had a moment just like, I'm going to do this for me, you know? And you, you, you went out and you just started going out and doing whatever you wanted to do. Um, where did that lead to? So I ended up one, one thing I kind of, um, my mom would be at a certain friend's house a lot and I, I would be the designated driver. I started driving when I was 12 years old to make sure that my mom would make it home safely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went from that being the designated driver to a few years later, I definitely, I was a decent kid and I did the best that I knew to do yeah. to protect my sister and to take care of the two of us. Um, but then once I hit my, my freshman, my sophomore year, really more so my sophomore year of high school, that's probably when I, I hit that point of fed up and, and I started just acting out in the same way. Well, if you're going to go and you're going to have fun and which it's, it's not fun. It's a miserable life to live. Mm -hmm. Um, then I'll do the same. And so I, I got heavy into drinking. Um, and to a teenager, it's just fun. You're just hanging out. You're just having a good time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'll tell you, I I will never forget the moment that I had a certain alcohol of of choice and that's what I like to drink. And I like to mix it in a, in a certain soda and no one would ever know it was in the cup. Um, I remember walking into the convenience store and it was midday. There were no party plans. There was nothing going on. And I walked in to get a drink to get a soda and I drank it, and my mind immediately told me, ugh, it's not even good, because it was missing the alcohol. And it was in that moment right then that it hit me. You're becoming what you hate. Yeah. And that was that was a scary place to be. That was a, that was a wake-up call. That was a huge wake-up call to me. And I, I stopped. I stopped. I stopped going to the places where it was accessible. I stopped wanting. I was more fearful in that moment because I did. When when it started, it was hurtful. It was painful. I didn't I didn't know that mom. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand why she or how she could make a choice to choose something over us. Yeah. And so in that moment, it just hit me. I either choose to hate this and despise this, or I may end up the same exact way. And I'm not willing to do that. And that, that kind of put into perspective that I wanted different. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go in the same pattern. My family has a very long line of, of addiction. I've seen it most of my life. Um, and that's not, that was never what I wanted to be or wanted I, what I wanted to do as a teenager. It's, it's made to, it's made to look as if it's, it's fun. It's a part of the story mm-hmm. until you hit that moment when you can't stop it. And I didn't want to get to that point. Wow. Yeah. Thank God. You know, yes, thank he, you, Jesus. he stepped in at that, at that moment before it got worse, you know? Um, yeah. A lot of people don't, they, I shouldn't say they don't 
get that, but they do get that. They just don't act on it. Um, right. And what do you think it was that, that, you know, obviously you, you had a, a moment of God, like opening your eyes and seeing what's going on in your life. Was there anything from your, your childhood, um, growing up in the church that kind of pushed you away from going into that route? Or was it just simply just, I don't want to be like my family. It's crazy to think how many years of my life I did go to Sunday school. And I know I heard so many stories and I know that God had moved and touched me in a mighty way because I was filled with the Holy Ghost so young. Mm -hmm. But I never, I never as a child really understood. I didn't. I I knew what I felt. Mm -hmm. I knew what I felt in church. But I didn't understand. I didn't understand who God was. I didn't understand that there was a plan. I didn't understand any of that. So it 100% was, I don't want to become what has hurt me. Yeah. I, do, I don't want to do that to anybody else or myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. No, and I, and I definitely think it, God uses that to to really just speak to us. Um, there has been many times in my life that I've pushed away from doing things simply because I don't want to become what I know this leads right. to. Right. Um, you know, especially. And no. Huh? You know now, or I know now, I, I look back and I think of, or I see how many times God has protected me and kept me from something that I just thought I made this decision. Mm-hmm. But now that I see God's hand on my life, I can see that there's been so many times from a young, young child, because things, even before this, things were, were never perfect. Yeah. There were difficulties before, um, but how he has kept his hand on me through so many situations. Mm-hmm. And yes, it was just a, it was just a, a choice of, I don't want to be that way, but it, it was really God's hand upon me, whether I saw it then or not. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I think sometimes he'll, he'll put it in the, in a way that we understand it, you know? Um, yeah. And I can definitely speak on a testimony to that. It's just like, there's been so many times that I know what I don't want to become. And so it has kept me from doing things. Um, right. But that was just, you know, truly just the hand of God keeping me from where, where I didn't need to go. Um, so you've had this, this revelation of just saying, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not going to become what has hurt me. And where, where did you go from there? So that was my sophomore. That was closer to my junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. That I, well, I may be a little behind. It may have been closer to my, the beginning of my senior year of high school. I, I calmed down. I calmed down a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I really just, started to learn to enjoy my friend group um, and not really hang around people that that was their lifestyle or that was their, their idea of a good time. Um, I lived like a normal teenager. I still had, I still had the stuff at home going on. Um, My dad didn't stick around. He was around for a little bit and he ended up leaving again. Um, And then it was just us two girls and my mom and our stepdad um, who was also a heavy drinker. So it was just the normal everyday teenage 
get up and go and do the best you can and, and try to make it through high school, you know, with a diploma and make it out of the house alive. Um, my senior year of high school, I was 17 years old. Um, I started dating my daughter's dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and he lived the same, he lived in the same kind of home situation. So he was very much, if that's the type of person that you are, if that's the kind of stuff you enjoy, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Um, and that gave me more, more want to, to not be that way. I, I had always, even as a little girl knew, oh, I'm someday I'm going to be a mommy and I'm going to be a wife and I'm going to stay home and clean and cook and I'm going to do all these things, mm-hmm. um, even really young. So for me, it, it put more into perspective what I wanted later later on down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that played a big, a big part of me keeping steady and in, in reaching goals that I wanted to achieve. Um, I had Tinsley when I was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, life, life began. I'll, I'll back up a little bit and tell you that, um, I started dealing with, at the time I didn't realize that that's what it was. Um, but I started dealing with depression in my sophomore year of high school. Mm-hmm. which would make sense with the lifestyle that I was living, that that, that seems like it just attaches. Um, but I just blamed it on, you know, the things that I've lived through or the things that I've had to endure. And this is just a part, it's, it's just a part of life. A lot of people feel that way. Um, and I was, I was searching and I was longing so desperately for a fix for the depression. I don't, what's wrong with me? I can never be happy. I'm, I'm always sad. I'm stuck in my own head. Mm-hmm. You know, you lose interest in, in the things that you once enjoyed doing, like hanging around friends. I'll never forget my, my junior summer. I cut ties with everybody that were very close friends to me. And I spent that summer completely by myself. I didn't want anything to do with anybody. They couldn't understand what I was dealing with, not only within my home, but within my, my head and my heart and myself. Um, and this, my junior year summer was probably the summer that I realized there's a battle. There is something happening that I can't understand, but it's very real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I carried that depression with me through I mean, many years, but, um, it worsened after I had my daughter, which is, it sounds crazy because my mind was, if I could just get out of this house, I'll be better. If I can just get away from my parents and the things that are happening in this house, then it'll get better. And then I met my, my daughter's dad and we had our own place and well, it was going to be better because I found someone who cares about me and now we're starting our own life and it's going to get better, but it didn't get better. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself, well, if we just started our family, I mean, no one can love you like your own kid can love you. That's unconditional love. And that will make it better. Mm-hmm. And it was just on to one, one thing after another, this, and I found myself just 
so discontent with life because it it wasn't better. It wasn't being fixed. Um, and so we had Tinsley, and she was about she was about two years old, and we had made up our mind, you know, things aren't things aren't what we really wanted them to be. We're gonna go ahead and sell everything, and we're gonna make a big move. And we're going to move out of state and we're going to start over. And this was, <laughs> I laugh about it now, but it was not funny then. It was the worst move of our lives. We went, we went out to Arkansas, closer to my dad, my biological dad. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'll tell you though, even though I didn't know God at that point, he was guiding me. He was leading me because it took me going out there and, and getting to know my own father as an adult. I was 21 years old and seeing that sometimes God keeps you from the things that we may even think we needed our whole life because it wouldn't have ended up any better. And I, I really got to, to understand that and come to terms with, um, it's okay. It, it's okay to have not had that relationship because it wouldn't have been a good one either way god was protecting me now i know um but we were there for three months and then i said we have got to go back home we have to get back home and uh, i called my aunt and i'll tell you when we were packing up the house these are the little things that you know god was working and i i had no idea but uh we were packing up to to leave the state we were headed to arkansas and my aunt which she's she's in church she i want to say she was 16 when she started coming coming to church Mm -hmm. uh, received the holy ghost or was renewed in the holy ghost and um she told me and i'm telling you i had no thought about god i had no thought about god it didn't cross my mind of course you know here and there you'd say oh in jesus name because you heard it growing up or Mm -hmm. You know, I rebuke that because you heard it growing up, but I just, I didn't have those thoughts of there's this very real God and I don't know who he is. I didn't have those thoughts, Mm -hmm. but my aunt, she had told me as we passed up the car, you know, you can't run from God forever, right? Wow. And I just, I blew it off. I totally blew it off because I didn't know what she was talking about. I don't even know God to be able to run from him. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> yeah. And so I blew yeah. it off and, and we got out there and, um, about three months and I had finally gotten a hold of a family that could get us back here to California. And I'll tell you two days before we left Arkansas, I had this dream. It was the realest dream. And I haven't even shared this with, with the brother that's in this dream. I think he'd probably be floored to know. But um, we it was Bakersfield. In my dream, it was Bakersfield. It was right here where the church is. And I was running down the street holding Tinsley in my arms. And there was chaos everywhere there were earthquakes people were lighting things on fire i mean it was utter chaos and i was running down the street and i came to the back doors of the church i ran into the parking lot ran to the back doors of the church and there was a brother um our youth pastor was at the back doors when i got there Mm -hmm. and i told him i'm scared i don't know what to do and he said don't worry you're safe here and he opened the door and he let me intensely in 
and I woke up and I remember waking up and thinking, why would I dream that? Like, I haven't been to the church in years and I haven't even seen that, that brother in years. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's what he looks like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was the most real dream. And now I know God was totally talking to me and I had no, I had no clue. Well, fast forward a little bit and we make it home. I turned, um, I turned 21 in March and March that March. And we came home at the end of March or mid March, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, we got home and because we had sold everything to go, we didn't have anything. So we split. He went to his mom's. I went to my mom's. And at this time, my mom was trying really hard to recover. She was attending church. Um, and of course my grandparents are here. My aunt is here with her family. And I don't, I, I said, you know what? All of my life when I have been talked to about God by my great grandparents, you know, what's going to happen, Shelby, when the trumpet blows, you know, you hear those things. And when, when you don't feel, I didn't feel a hunger at that point. So it's easy to kind of shrug it off, um, which is horrible to say, but it was the truth as a teenager. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. I had hit that point where I had, I had tried getting out of the house to fix the issues that were created to help the depression. And it was horrible. And I, I went from leaving the house to finding somebody that I thought would help. And then I went from that to having a child that I was just certain was going to fill the void and help heal the pain. And none of it worked. I I left my home to try to fix what was broken. And that certainly didn't make it any better. What do I have to lose? You know? Mm -hmm. And and so it was a Wednesday night. I had been home for one week, back in Bakersfield for one week, and we were in a revival with Brother Cody Marks. Mm-hmm. I did not know who Cody Marks was. I didn't even know what a revival was. I didn't know anything, um, to be honest. And my mom was getting ready for church. I didn't say anything to her. I didn't tell her I wanted to go, nothing. I just, I got myself ready. I got Tinsley ready. And I told her, I'm going to go ahead and go with you. Of course, she was ecstatic. And we get here and we get through the doors and we get seated. And you know, you feel like the most awkward. You're in the most awkward position because here I am walking in 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 pants and a t-shirt and Mm -hmm. my hair. I look nothing like anybody else seated. And so I, I walk in and I sit down and I'm just keeping to myself little that I know <laughs> that God opened the door for me to walk into the sanctuary. Um, so I sat there and brother Mark's got up there and he started preaching. And I'm, I'm telling you, if anyone has ever read my book, it was him. He went, I wish I could remember the title of the message so that I could go back and try to find it in the archives Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it was, he told me how depressed I was. He told me how I've searched and I haven't found it. I mean, 
he spoke to me and I tried so I sat there and tears dripped down my face but I wasn't gonna let anybody know I was crying and that altar call hit and I stayed seated but he came right I just I started sobbing and brother Marks walked from the platform and he made his way right up the aisle he got over in my ear and he said you are called stop running from God wow and I heard my aunt before we packed up and and left I could hear her saying you know you can't run from God forever Mm -hmm. and it hit me this is the void I have tried everything I've tried alcohol I've tried drugs I've I've tried a relationship, I've tried a family, I have tried everything to fill this void and to get rid of this pain, and nothing has helped, and this is it. This is the answer. These are the nights that, God, I didn't know, I I don't know if you're real. I know what I heard in Sunday school. You know, I know what my, my family believes. I don't know if I believe that. You know, these were just my open talks of, I don't know that you're hearing me, but here I am. If you are hearing me, I'm, I'm hurting and I don't want to do this anymore. This is too much for me to bear. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take the antidepressants. I don't, I don't want to be in the bottom of, of the bottle. I, I don't want to be this way anymore. What do I do? And all of these things that he, guided me through to get to the point that I'm sitting on a pew where a man that knows nothing about me can come down and lay his hand on me and let me know it was all for this moment. Wow. And I, I never turned back. It was a Wednesday night. We had service the next night and I've, I've been here ever since it's been seven years that I've been living for God now. And it's been the best, seven years of my life. It was two services later that I finally got the courage to go up to the altar mm-hmm. after he had preached. Um, and I, I went down to the altar and I, I, I did not raise my hands. I, I can tell you exactly where I stood. And I just, I sobbed like a baby and I told God, and I really feel like this was, this is the moment God was waiting for me to get to this point right here. And I said, I can't do this on my own. Please take this depression from me. And I, I was trying to think of how I can describe it. And it's so, it's one of those things you have to feel to really understand. But if I could describe it for someone to understand, it felt like I had bowling balls on my shoulders pressed to my neck and I felt them roll down my arms off of my fingertips onto the floor and I lifted my hands and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Wow. Yeah. God does miracles. I know, I know depression is a very, very real thing and it feels like you'll never escape it. And this is something that I like to touch on when, when I do have an opportunity to just talk about depression Mm -hmm. is that, we are human. We have so many feelings and so many emotions. And, and I'm speaking for myself. I've felt the, the enemy fight me time and time again to make me believe that I'm still bound mm-hmm. by depression. And I remind him every time. Nobody can tell me different. I felt it fall off of my shoulders. 
And I knew that God delivered me in that moment. Mm -hmm. You will not convince me that I am carrying it around with me still. And it took me time to be able to fight this and to understand it. But, you know, I think to, I think to Jesus, the best example there is every emotion that he felt, you know, whether it was anger or sorrow, you know, he, he cried out. And if Jesus himself is going to cry out, how much are we going to cry out? It's normal to feel sadness. Mm -hmm. It's normal to feel hurt and anger. It's just what you do with it. Are you going to sit and soak in it? Or are you going to say, okay, this was hard and it's upsetting and I'm going to cry it out and then I'm going to dust it off and I, I'm not going to stay in it. Because that's when it goes from, from that emotion, that normal emotion that he gave us to a pit of depression. And I've, it's taken me a lot of years to get to this point to understand. But I, I just pray that that someone, anyone, everyone that deals with this, because it's a, it's a horrible place to be. Mm -hmm. And it feels like you'll never get out of it. So I pray that, that others can get to that point of realization that it's okay to feel the emotion. Just don't stay there. Yeah. Wow. Shelby, that's, that's amazing. Shelby, that's, that's, that's an incredible testimony you have. And, um, thank you for sharing that with us and being transparent with it. It's, and you know, sometimes it's not even easy to recite your testimony because sometimes it takes you back to places that you don't want to go to. Um, yeah. but I think that it's definitely going to be a blessing to somebody that's in that same situation. Um, and so what I want to do is with this series, um, we always, I always want to give us a, a place for you to speak to yourself in the younger years, in the teenage years, or, you know, your adult, early adulthood, um, anytime you want. Um, but I just want you to be able to speak to yourself because the point of doing this is that somebody's listening to it and they may be at one point or the other in your life and saying, you know, I, I, I know exactly how she feels. And so what I would like you to do is just be able to just tell yourself, um, you know, give yourself some advice that's going to save them from being in the same spot you were okay I would say we're all going to face some kind of battle that's just a part of life it's inevitable but it's what you do with it the the pains and the hurt at some point are going to get you to the plan and the purpose if you just lean into God, of course, there were points in my life that I didn't feel or understand that that's what I needed to do. But if you're hearing this and you're at a point that you don't know what to do, lean into God, lean into his word. I'm, I'm forever grateful for his mercy and for his hand being upon me because I'm, I am in his plan and purpose now. Um, I would just say, hang on, hang on and, and let him guide you through it. And you'll end up exactly where you're, you've been created to be. That's awesome. Thank you, Shelby, once again, for sharing this with us. Um, and just 
letting us hear your story. Um, it, Absolutely. It, it was definitely Thank a you for having me. It was definitely a powerful story. Um, and there are many time, many points in the story that I was just grabbing little nuggets. I'm like, oh, this is building my faith. This is building my faith. So um, just listening to it just right now, it's just it's building my faith. So thank you. Um, for You're sharing. so welcome. And so um, appreciate you taking your time out of your day um, to come and share this with us. Um, you know, I know you're busy and but I think your daughter definitely is going to be really excited to hear mama on the podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. Especially with brother Ray. <laughs> oh yeah. No, she's, 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 she's my biggest fan. And so, uh, definitely sure giving her a shout out and thank you for listening. Um, and you know, I, I your mom did a great job. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but thank you. Thanks, brother. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for taking your time uh, to hear her story today. I pray that it's an encouragement to you. Um, and I pray that this is going to help you. This series that we're trying to continue right now um, is definitely going to help somebody that doesn't even know God. Um, so if you're, if you're listening to this and you've never been to church or you've been to church before and you're just, you know, you just haven't had that moment with God, um, take some time and, and, try it out and step out in faith and see what God's going to do in your life. Um, but thank you Shelby for joining us. And then uh, I think your daughter would just think it's so cool if you just took us out with the, uh, remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't catch the oh, last part. Oh, it's okay. I said, I think your daughter would think it's so cool if you did our little, the little tagline on the way out. Brother, you're cutting out on me. Oh man. Can you hear me? Hello? You there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Hello? All right, folks. I think we, we're losing her, but just remember, folks, stay kingdom-minded.